0: Good morning and welcome to the morning service stream here at Forsyth Baptist Church. Uh, Before I pass it over to Brother Mike, I do have a few quick announcements that I want to share with y'all. First, we are still accepting uh, various donations for uh, the Homeless Ministries of Athens. If you have any items, uh, including toilet paper, non-perishable food items, water bottles, or anything like that that you'd like to donate, uh, please reach out to the church either through our Facebook page. Uh, Forest Heights Baptist Church, or by sending us an email to info at org, and we will get with you in order to arrange a pickup time so we can come and get that stuff and get it to where it needs to be. Next, I want to uh, thank you to each and every one of you for the donations that you uh, sent in for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, the most up-to-date number that I heard, which was right after last Sunday, is that we raised $3,800, and really that's just amazing. It wasn't quite what our goal was, uh, but with the money that the church is also matching, we did just get over the goal. So that's awesome. That's the money that is going to some incredible ministries uh, throughout North America. And uh, I just ask that you each just continue to pray for those missionaries. We saw all these videos these last few weeks. I implore you to go back and watch those again and see what else you can do. Um, we can still accept donations. So if you have any of those, you can send them to the church. Uh, to 1155 Oglethorpe Avenue, Athens, Georgia, 30606. Uh, Now, before I pass it over to Brother Mike, uh, I'm going to have a word of prayer. Uh, And then we also have some special music uh, coming from our very own Daniel Reeves. So I do hope you enjoy that. But first, let's bow. Uh, Hey, guys, just thank you for this day and this wonderful opportunity that we have just to be able to uh, come and just listen to uh, the song that's coming and uh, the message that you have to bring through Mike God. Uh, I just pray that you would just open our hearts for the message that you have for us and that you would just prepare us for whatever that message is, God. Um, I just pray that you be with each and every, every person that's listening to this, any request that they have, God. I just pray that you would just be with that request. Uh, we love you and we praise you, and it's all in your son's name that I pray, amen. And I'm, uh, like I mentioned, I'm going to pass it over to Daniel Reeves, who has a special for us.
1: Just cleft from me Let me hide myself from thee Let the water and the blood From thy wounded side which flow, Be of sin the double cure Save from wrath and make me pure. Not the labors of my hands Can fulfill the lost commands Should my passion ever fade And my efforts all be laid All for sin could not atone You must save you alone Rock of ages no one takes your life, yet you die that I might fail. Costly grace to me, give up my You have paid the price, you were fast above me. Let me hide myself Nothing in my hand I bring Simply to the cross I cling Naked come to me for dress Helpless look to thee for grace Wretched to the founts I fly Wash me, Savior, I die Rock of it's your right. yet you die, yet I'm a temp, cost me praise, you free me, dear, rock of ages, you have paid for the price, you were glad to cover me, let me hide myself in all my thoughts we
2: It is once again good to be with you, and I hope and pray that this message will just touch your heart in a very special way. Only God can take this message and do that for us, and so I pray that He will. So let's pray at this time that He might reach into our hearts, our souls, and uh, bring His Word and the message together to, to the place where we need to uh, hear it, we need to heed to it, and we need to make sure that we honor it him with it father i just want to thank you for this day i want to thank you for these that are listening and i pray that your word will touch their lives touch my life continue to touch my life as it has this week and and i just pray that uh, with our lives being touched by you that uh, they'll certainly be changed in such a way that will bring us closer together and help us to have a closer walk, and a more committed walk, more excited walk, uh, even during these difficult days as we uh, don't get to see one another as much as we would like or hear from one another, but Lord, may it just bring us closer to you and to one another and and may we see your, your hand at work in a mighty way, uh, a new way, a different way, uh, uh, if it be, but uh, may you just work and and I pray that you'll touch hearts and lives, those that need to come to know you in a personal way as uh, Savior and Lord, I pray that they will. And for those that need to uh, walk closer to you, uh, to uh, listen to your direction, your convic- uh, to have conviction in their heart, direction, um, uh, teaching, uh, whatever it might be, Lord, I just pray that uh, that will be revealed to them uh, during this time, uh, that you'll take your word, your message, and and show them, and show me, and show each and every one of us what we need to do to bring honor and glory to your name, your kingdom's sake, your work. For I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, a lot of times we're quick to want to do something. We're quick to want something, but we a lot of times don't realize the cost behind it. And so Jesus is... uh, Preparing his disciples, he's, he's talking with them about the climactic event, the crisis, the destiny that he is about to approach as a head towards Jerusalem. And that is, of course, the cross, where he will, as he's told them already, that he will uh, suffer and die and be raised again. And I think that the suffering and dying they uh, heard, but not so much the being raised again the third day. Uh, because Peter uh, says, Lord, you know, this cannot happen to you and we won't let it happen to you. And uh, this is not for you because you're our Messiah. But uh, he, he has something in store for them and they must understand this. And so the, the journey is not over. And so there's a lot of preparation still to, uh, to be had by the disciples, there's a lot of uh, growing and understanding. And this is what we're going to be looking at today. You see, Matthew 16, 20, Jesus warned the disciples that they should tell no one that he was Christ. And this was right after um, Peter made that great confession uh, that church is built upon, the confession of Jesus Christ. And that is, uh, you know, you are uh, the, the Messiah. You are the, the Lord. You, you are the Son of God. Uh, the living God. And so uh, that was not revealed to him by mere deductions that they, the disciples had come to by saying, okay, he's not this person, he's not that person, he's not this prophet, he's not that prophet, uh, this is who he is. No, this came to them by way of God. Just like the Holy Spirit gives us enlightenment that we are sinners and that we must be saved. You know, a person uh, joining the church is not saved. A person that that uh, puts his name on the row of a Sunday school class, it's not necessarily saved. What saves them is the Holy Spirit convicting them, showing them their need for a Savior, and that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. And that the only way that they can become a child of God is to accept Christ and His sacrifice for uh, their sins to be forgiven and to be born into for his his forever family, and just like that, this is similar to that a divine inspiration from God. God gave them this insight. So Jesus goes on to say, uh, uh, "You know, upon this rock I'm going to build my church." And this is very important because this can become a very confusing comment later on as as disciples. Hear Jesus' message about him going and suffering and, and dying and being raised again, he says, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. Now they've just said, He's a Messiah. They've just said, Hey, He's the chosen one. He's the one that's going to deliver us. And so, uh, and the gates of Hades, the gates of, of death itself, uh, is not an end to the church. It will not stop the church. And so Jesus tells his disciples from that time, uh, Jesus uh, Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem. He was showing them from the scripture. And suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. So that was not what they were expecting. That was not what they believed the Messiah to be. The Messiah was to be one who would lead Israel to a blessed period, to a a, a freedom, to setting up his rule and reign. And in their minds, the Messiah was to rule and reign forever, and he was not to die. And so this was not in their plans. This is one of the main reasons that Jesus was warning disciples that they should not tell anyone yet, because they had not fully gotten the whole concept. And if they had not fully gotten the whole concept, the nation Israel, who was for the most part blind to it, they certainly would not accept this kind of Messiah. So there was still much to be taught and much to be done before the cross occurred. And the keys that Jesus had mentioned earlier... Jesus was giving the disciples, they were the uh, keys that described and has been used in the Bible and was used in the Bible to describe the, scri- uh, the scribes, and it was symbolic of their teaching function. And so the disciples needed to understand, if they were to, uh, to get these keys, to receive these keys, uh, they were to understand more about the Christ. Don't tell anyone about me yet they were to understand more about the church that he was building his body they were to understand more about the function of the church if he were if they were going to be the teachers with these keys to uh, to reveal it to others and so the function of the church is to to help uh, establish the rule of god in in the hearts of his people uh and uh, bringing the values and the the priorities of, of God's kingdom to bear on every aspect of our culture. And they need to understand that. So Peter and disciples were not ready yet for the mission as representatives of the church to teach others about it. They didn't fully understand. They did have some knowledge. Knowledge was divinely revealed to them, but not all of it. They did not understand the salvific part of it. They did not understand the Messiah's destiny and purpose because they didn't understand his purpose and destiny. They didn't understand their purpose as a church yet. So Jesus is teaching his disciples from the time that he was going to Jerusalem that he would suffer many things from the elders and chief priests, be killed, and be raised up third day. And the suffering was the misunderstanding on that part. The salvific suffering that Jesus was to partake of, uh, they did not understand. Uh, you know, he would suffer, but his suffering would be for the, on behalf of sinners. They didn't understand all the spiritual aspect of it yet that they needed to understand. He must uh, be killed, it says. He must, uh, uh, he must suffer, he must be killed, and he must be raised again. And these are, are, are central uh, key factors to the faith for us today as well as for them. Paul said in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15, For I delivered to you as of the first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. That's that's our message today. So verse 22, we see that Peter was not ready. He's a prime example for not being ready. Uh, He didn't understand this salvific uh, part of it. Peter took him aside after Jesus had told him what his mission was, uh, de- his destin- uh, destination was, what his mission was, and so Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, "God forbid, it, Lord! This shall never happen to you." Peter saying, "Lord, forbid." You will, uh, saying this, you're not going to suffer. We're not going to let it happen. You cannot suffer. That's not what the Messiah is supposed to do. He's supposed to lead us into that blessed kingdom, period. Peter didn't understand. If Christ didn't suffer for his sins, then Peter wouldn't be in that kingdom, period. He wouldn't be delivered into that kingdom, period. So Jesus rebukes Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. For you are not setting your mind on God's interest, but man's. We had, you know, Peter articulate confession of, his, of the identity of Christ earlier that, we're, that was an example for all of us and is an example for all of us. And now we have an example of what not to stand for. He's an obstacle in the path of the saving work of God. This, this is a warning to all of us. I think we need to check our intuitions of Scripture. Our feelings about them. How we came about it. If they're not theologically directed, our intuitions, our feelings, our, uh, you know, our experiences, if they're not directed by Scripture, they will be directed by ourselves and by our own preconceptions, our own desires and our own prejudices. And what will we be? We will be like Peter. We'll be directed by Satan instead of being directed by the Holy Spirit. We'll be directed by flesh instead of being directed by God. So Peter was not setting his mind on God's interest, but man's interest. We do also a lot of times. This leads us to the main point dealing with this passage. Jesus was preparing his followers for uh, their purpose, their mission. They would become the body of Christ, and so he says, hey, man, if I'm going to suffer, guess what? I've got some words for you also. You won't like this. You don't like this part about me suffering? Well, guess what? You're going to suffer also if you're going to be a follower of me. Uh, To do this, first of all, you've got to be a believer. You've got to have that confession that that, uh, Peter had, and uh, one needs to be a But with that confession comes being a faithful disciple of Christ. And Jesus informs him as to what it takes to be a faithful disciple of his. He says, uh, you know, I'm not the only one who will suffer and die. If you're going to be my disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus had just told Peter that it is God's agenda, God's purpose, God's destiny, His plan for Christ to suffer, to die, and to be raised again. In other words, Peter, as he said earlier, get thee behind me, Satan. He says, stop opposing God's will. Because guess what? That's going to be part of your will too. Or part of God's will for you. Now, uh, uh, Jesus tells Peter, And if you're going to follow me, if you're going to be a true disciple of mine, then you must be willing to deny yourself, take up your cross, that you'll be given, and follow me. This is so important. We cannot miss this. We cannot miss uh, the impact of this statement that Jesus is giving them because we too are to be disciples Listen to it again. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Jesus was uh, telling Peter, If you're shocked to hear that I must suffer and die, then let me tell you, you're going to have a real hard time accepting what I'm about to tell you. And that is, if you're going to be a disciple of mine, then you've got to take up your cross and follow me also. So, Peter, you find it shocking that I'm going to die? Here's another shocker. Peter, just as the Father revealed to me that I'm going to die, you are also, or revealed to you, you are also going to have to die. And uh, so, uh, Peter, just as the Father revealed to you and other disciples said, I am the Christ, the Son of God, uh, just as he revealed that insight to you, Uh, I am revealing to you that I must suffer and die and be raised again. And not only that, but that you must take up your cross and deny yourself and follow me. Now, look at the word cross that Jesus used here. What comes to your mind? Well, of course, if you're a Christian, the old rugged cross. I mean, how can you get past that beautiful song, the old rugged cross? Or some other cross, or, or some other song, excuse me, with the word cross in it. Or the mention of it. Or the thought of it. You might even think, go beyond that and think about some Christian movie with the cross in it. Or you might think of the cross outside of our churches, up on the steeples, and, and, or out front of a church, or, or even inside the church. You might think of the crosses on garments that are printed or or the uh, crosses of uh, jewelry or or you might uh, think of the crosses on the side of the road where someone uh, had an accident and and, uh, died and that was in memory of them placed there. These are all fine. But in our society where the cross has become to many different, or so many different things, to so many different people, it's easy to miss what is really being said here, and we will not get the full impact if we're not careful of what Jesus is saying. The word cross here refers to the Romans' method of suffering and dying. It was a horrible death. It was a humiliating way to death, so much so to die. I mean, so much so that the disciples, uh, you know, uh, understood this and they understood it well and everybody understood it. You know, the Romans wouldn't even let one of their own die that way. And so we see that, uh, you know, their expectation of the Messiah was not someone who would die such a uh, horrific, horrifying, uh, terrible humiliating death like that. And especially for them to have to take up their cross and follow Him also along that line. In our domestic society, the cross with its shocking nature of, of language is hard to understand. But Jesus was telling Peter, and He understood what He was saying, and the other disciples, that He must die that he must suffer, he must die, and that he will be raised again. And he told them, if you're to be my disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. There's a cross to following me, he's saying. Second, Jesus' mission uh, seems to be uh, sending out uh, contradicting messages. Uh, you, You might remember the statement that Jesus made to Peter and the disciples when speaking of the church, he says, and I say to you uh, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, death shall not overpower it. Sounds like he here is contradicting himself of what he's talking about the cross. And we know that Jesus, though, doesn't contradict himself. So what is he saying? Jesus is telling Peter and the others. He says, you think death is the worst, worst thing that can happen. I tell you, it isn't. Even though many may die for the cause of Christ, it will not stop the gospel. Death will not stop it. The church with its message will continue on. Death will not stop the church from carrying the gospel to the world. If we're going to identify with Christ, we're going to identify with someone who suffered and died. Yes, the resurrection out there is out there, and that's great. And we can thank God for that hope. But that isn't the stumbling block for these believers and many believers today. The stumbling block is the cross. They don't want the suffering. Christ was teaching His disciples that their calling as believers in Christ's body was to understand the purpose of the church. And that purpose involved... Getting the gospel out, carrying the gospel, involved discipleship. And in discipleship involved denying themselves and taking up the cross and following Christ. Denying ourselves, taking up our cross, following Jesus. It involves a growth process, growing, by which we as Christians learn to bring all of life under the Lordship of Christ. That's where a lot of people suffer. They they like the the worship where you uh, praise and you sing songs and, and the joyous times, but when it comes to talking about the suffering and bringing everything under the Lordship of Christ, that means that, hey, we must die to self. That means that our will must become God's will. God's will must become our will. Discipleship involves development for the entire church also. The body of believers. It's a process where, uh, you know, the uh, believers, mature believers, help other believers, new believers in Christ grow and develop in this process where they can duplicate it and continue to duplicate it. We're placed in the church so that discipleship can be accomplished. The church is God's place to produce disciples. And God wanted them to understand the cost because this concept of discipleship that Jesus is going to be committing to the church would impact the world. But it involved cost. But for discipleship, to occur, they needed to understand. It just doesn't happen. Nor was it to happen by military takeover. It involved sacrificial dedication. Now, we need to break this down. And in breaking it down, I'm just going to, to list some things that we'll talk about next week. But first, discipleship, of course, involves identity and we've talked about that and we as believers are identified with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection when we come to know him as personal Lord and Savior. So what does that tell us? That tells us that you cannot be a disciple of Christ unless you're a believer in Jesus Christ. Second of all, disciple must desire and pursue obedience. If anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Third, a disciple must learn to deny themselves. What does that mean? We'll talk about that. And then fourth, a disciple must take up his cross. What all is involved in that? And then fifth, follow me. A disciple must emulate the master's words. And behavior. And then after that, Jesus tells them. He goes on and he says, For whosoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. This is a, a great counter logic that we'll talk about later on next week. But whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. Whoever wishes to save his life shall lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake shall find it. I guess it sounds kind of like, which we'll talk about next week, mentioning it. Uh, You heard the old saying, uh, you know, I want my cake and eat it too. Well, what exactly does that mean? This is this great counter logic here that he's talking about. And so as we look at this, we see the high Uh, cost of discipleship through all of this. And then he says in verse 26, For what will a man be profited if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in the glory of his Father and his angels and will then recompense every man according to his deeds. Truly I say to you, there are some of those who are standing here who shall not taste death until they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Which, of course, if you look at the uh, next verses that we'll be looking at, you'll see what he's talking about. And that uh, we'll also talk about. But as we look at this this week, I want you to understand that if we are going to be A disciple of Christ. It involves cost. It's not some ride that's always easy. Although we will have our ups. But also there'll be those times of sacrifice. Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for a wonderful opportunity of allowing us to not only be born into your forever kingdom, but also to become a disciple of yours where we can carry this good news to others and also help in in training others and, and seeing them uh, brought into your kingdom as we share with others and also uh, helping to have that duplicated, that life of Christ duplicated in them so that they can also be Disciples of yours and carry con- and continue to carry on this process. But Lord, help us always realize also that it's not making Christianity what we want it to be, it's making it what you would desire for it to be, where you will be glorified. A life that is not compromising, a life that is not living a life of ease. Although we may experience many, many blessings, but a life that acknowledges and realizes that with those blessings comes times of difficulty, times of choosing, times of sacrifice. Help us to make the right choice to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you for that wonderful sermon, Pastor Mike. Uh, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Uh, Before I let you go, I do want to remind you to be sure to tune in again tonight at 6 o'clock as Pastor Mike will be continuing through the book of Esther It's going to be a great time, and I will see you then. Have a great day.